Efficiency Services Group partners with publicly owned electric utilities to deliver energy efficiency programs and services. ESG serves as an extension of energy services staff, bringing a wealth of skills and experience to provide direct install programs, customer care kits, field auditing and inspections, utility staff training, and reporting for Bonneville Power Administration customers and California utilities. Learn more about how ESG can benefit your energy efficiency organization at EfficiencyServicesGroup.com. That's EfficiencyServicesGroup.com. Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dan Catchpole, reporter with Newsdata's Clearing Up, and with me is my co-host and editor of Newsdata's California Energy Markets, Jason Fordney. We're here, as always, with some of our latest top stories. First, Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. Nice to speak with you today. How's everything? Uh, it's good. We got a, a nice, yeah. cool Monday here, uh, which I feel like we could all, nice. everybody in the Seattle area could use a little bit of cool weather today taylor swift was just in town and Whoa. yeah it was my daughter and my wife went uh with some friends um it was just being like yeah. uh the proximity of it it was crazy um really yeah, yeah. uh there was just a lot of a lot of excitement uh it's a great show apparently they enjoyed it yeah yeah, it sounds like it was actually like a legit, really good show. So uh, I hear good things. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I couldn't name a, a Taylor Swift song. That's really bad. <laughs> I don't oh, think I come could. on. She's she's a legit musician. Oh I yeah, mean, I'm not. She's is not. I just it's not my my musical world. And I I was so like, I the last time I consistently watched music videos was in the mid to late nineties. Uh, yeah, I. My wife showed me the video for her song "Antihero." I gotta say, it's a mm. pretty good video. You should check it out. Okay, it's it's time I uh, get tuned in, become a Swifty. Yeah, you gotta yeah. get on board, man. I know I'm archaic when it comes to music. I'm like, give me some Led Zeppelin, I'm good. I mean, terrible. I can't go wrong with that either. So, <laughs> so, I kind of, I don't think anybody, I don't think Taylor Swift yeah. would be like, you should just listen to me. And that's true. Get rid of I, I the uh, of Zeppelin. I need to modernize. Listens. Yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll all get there one day. Yes, Zeppelin's cool, even with the, <laughs> the kids. Even the kids, the kids are into Zeppelin. it. The kids like it. Yes. All right. Yep. Okay. All right. This is getting awkward. So let's talk about all some right. energy. Yep. So what do you smart. what do you have for us this week? Well, I've got um, some changes over at California Independent System Operator. Uh, approving a subscriber-based transmission uh, subscription model. And then I'd like to talk a little bit about virtual power plants, something that we're all learning about here. And then um, a little bit of news about Bonneville Power Administration kicking off a market selection process and uh, uh, Western state regulators looking to find a West-wide market. So some market news there. Yeah, I've got some market news to start us off with um western power pool is clashing with kaiso over the western resource adequacy program and uh kaiso's extended day ahead market and then 
Energy Northwest and X-Energy uh, announced plans to develop small modular reactors for the Northwest. And then last, uh, the last story I've got for us today is a federal judge rejects an injunction uh, trying to block Washington's heat pump mandate from going into effect. Uh, to hmm. a, you know, big, big significance in terms of um, driving energy efficiency and decarbonization through uh, building codes and standards. So I'll uh, go right. ahead and get us started, though, with this uh, clash between the Western Power Pool officials and the California Independent System Operator. So WPP officials are worried that under certain circumstances, CAISO's proposed extended day-ahead market could short-circuit WPP's resource adequacy program. So in the worst-case scenario, that could mean a blackout in the service territory for a member of the Western Resource Adequacy Program. WPP officials are pushing CAISO to change its real-time dispatch policies to guarantee reliability energy deliveries get uh, priority over just market dispatch uh, when the transmission grid is pushed to capacity and there's congestion and things are having to be, you know, can't always get reshuffled around and something is going to get, you know, is going to get pushed off to the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, you know, Kaiso officials say, "Hey, look, we've made some changes to address this." WPP officials and others, I should note, uh, this is not just them out there, but several of the Arizona utilities, Portland General Electric, uh, and some others share these concerns. They say, "You know, there's there's these chances, small, rare as they might be, that you could have a situation where uh, the transmission is getting dispatched based on uh, market." priorities and reliability-based transmissions uh, that are there to keep, you know, make sure the lights stay on um, are are not going to have the priority they need. And you could have, like I said, have a situation where the dispatch uh, to make sure that a utility is resource adequate um, gets pushed to the side. So uh, this, the, the problem is like they've been going around with this on this issue for months and months and months, and it's super complicated. Um, and they kind of seem at this point somewhat seem to be talking past each other, WPP and Kaiso. Yeah. Uh, and time is running out. Kaiso is hoping to file their language, their tariff language for uh, the extended day ahead market, hoping to file it with FERC in the next few months. The RAP, the Western Resource Adequacy Program, got approved by FERC back in April or uh, February. Uh, and so there's you know, a limited time here to resolve this issue. WPP just issued a white paper last month uh, to try to draw more attention to this. In, and that followed on the latest revised EDAM tariff language released by CAISO on June 6th. In comments, uh, it WPP filed comments um, raising these issues again with Kaiso, as did those other utilities that I mentioned. And when I say like, oh, some Arizona utilities, I mean Arizona Public Service, Salt River Project, Tucson, and then as well as Portland General Electric, Public Generating Pool and Power X. So some major major entities here are have flagging this um, as a potential conflict. Kaiso is very confident that it the problem is is not an issue uh, and has largely been addressed. Right. So for now, uh, kind of feels like if this gets approved, we'll just have to, uh, members of RAP, 
uh, we'll just have to see if the solutions work as well as Kaiso says they do. Yeah, I noticed uh, Elliot Mainzer, Kaiso's CEO, said that Kaiso has decided to file EDAM and the day ahead market enhancements at the same time when filing to FERC mid-August. She says we'll uh, streamline the process and make for a more efficient uh, process there. So a little, little nugget of news information there. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, we've just got a few weeks left to resolve what is an extremely complicated issue. I So the story I wrote on this, uh, it was just like a first cut on a very complicated issue. I have to say, um, my head hurt by the end oh. of it. And yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talking about, you know, uh, oat rights and uh, just all like redispatch and uh, yeah, how to resolve conflicts and transmission yeah. rights and maintaining and blah, blah, blah. And uh, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's also, it's not encouraging then when I said this to one of my contacts at uh, who works in transmission and uh, the person said, yeah, I've been talking about this for months and I, I feel the same way still. It's like, sure. oh, that's not encouraging. No. Well, th- these are complex issues and changing quickly. So I, I feel your pain on that. Yeah. Well, Just- this certainly is an important is- issue. So we certainly will be doing more coverage. Yeah, you know, it's one of these things where it's these are really small, rare circumstances they're talking about. Uh, mm, but yeah. when it comes up, it's going to be a resource adequacy issue, and getting it wrong is going to have serious consequences. Right. So, this including possible blackouts. Yeah. Worst worst case scenario. Yep. Yeah. Probably won't happen. Hopefully not. All right. But. So what is this new uh, transmission subscriber model that Kaiso approved? Well, this is uh, a new subscriber-based model for generation and transmission from other areas. Board of Governors approved it on July 20th. Usually, Kaiso uses a transmission access charge. This is for uh, participating transmission owners um, outside of the Kaiso Balancing Authority area. Neil Miller... Kaiso Vice President Infrastructure and Operations said this will, quote, facilitate delivery of critically needed resources to the ISO. He said this model can enable new transmission lines outside of the ISO balancing area for developers who want to build and place their transmission facility or facilities under ISO operational control and use those facilities to connect generation to the ISO without a decision in the transmission planning process. It's designed to enable development of -of out-of-state renewable generation identified in the mid-term reliability procurement order from the California Public Utilities Commission. This subscriber process will have to be approved by Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and will provide transmission developers outside of the ISO with rules by which they'll connect to the CAISO grid. Also, we'll establish an accounting mechanism for purchases of the subscribed generation with prepaid rights to deliver the supply to load in the ISO for non-subscribers that may use the subscriber PTO facilities. And that capacity is not used by purchasers of the subscriber generation. A little a thorny thing to understand there, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a pretty, pretty big change implementing this model. 
as soon as possible, codifying the tariff rules will accelerate, accelerate the pace of contracting for and construction of new transmission facilities. So how much are they, they hoping that that'll speed things up? Is this like a really marginal tweak or are they really enthusiastic, optimistic that this is going to result in a, a significant uh, increase in the pace and scope of construction? I think it's seen as a pretty major change. You know, it's kind of unprecedented. This was used for TransWest Express. I think it worked well there. I'd heard rumblings about this. I didn't realize it was coming up so quickly um, to Kaiso. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, a pretty major change in the way transmission is or the cost allocation works. And, you know, everything about getting more transmission built for new renewables here in the West. This is a pretty, pretty big step. And of course, there will be some FERC scrutiny of this. But yeah, uh, I think yeah. it's a fairly significant. All right. Well, always, I'm always happy to see good news about or just yeah. news about efforts to speed up transmission development sure. and construction. That's always yep. good news. Uh, so, yeah. A lot happening uh, on that front. Indeed. So back up here in the Northwest, uh, my colleague Steve Ernst has a story about Energy Northwest and X-Energy signing a agreement to develop 12 advanced small modular nuclear reactors uh, capable of generating 960 megawatts with a, and they are, uh, they're shooting for 2030 to bring the first unit online. And, uh, this is going to be up at least in part, uh, in Richland, Washington, near where the Columbia generating generating station is based. Energy sure. Northwest operates, uh, the Columbia generating station. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they, are in talks with or have gotten funding from 11 Northwest utilities to provide uh, support for the project. And the utilities are interested in between 350 and 400 megawatts of generating capacity. Uh, so they've got a really substantial interest stake you know, to get them started. Like I said, the 12 SMRs that uh, in the end, they see these as capable of generating nearly a thousand megawatts. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's expected to cost between two and two point five billion dollars to develop all of them. Uh, but oh. another significant step forward in the development of SMRs, which is just seeming to come on. Like it seems like every not every day, but uh, yeah, the pace of SMR development seems to really be picking up. Sure is. I think it's a exciting area, don't you? It's, uh, you know, a lot of the arguments about big nuclear can be uh, sort of fended off with the, the small ones here and um, less citing concerns. And they're expensive, but not as expensive as a full-blown nuclear plant. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, it's an incredible, extremely exciting area of technology that is going that just seems like it has to almost uh based on technology nowadays seems like yeah. um it has to play a very significant role in the resource stack to decarbonize and electrify uh the way that you know we we say that we want to so mm-hmm. yep yeah a lot of money going okay. into it i'm waiting for eventually right. when we have pocket reactors <laughs> Wouldn't that be you don't have to ever change your batteries on anything. And you don't have to worry about finding a charger for your iPhone because you've got a 
you know, pocket reactor. Pocket reactor. Well, man, I, I would invest in that. <laughs> Sounds like a craft work song, but pocket <laughs> reactor. Okay. I'm dating myself again. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, you want to hear about virtual power plants? I do. I was just going to ask you about virtual power plants. Yeah. Another exciting area and great conversation for a cocktail party, I will add. But what is a virtual power plant or a VPP? It's sort of a portfolio of DER, you know, distributed energy resources, like smart thermostats, rooftop solar, ZEVs, zero emission vehicles, batteries, smart water heaters that can be actively controlled to benefit the power system. Really an umbrella term used to describe programs that use automated controls with dynamic communication or devices that are metered and are dispatchable. This is according to the California Energy Commission, which held a meeting July 18th covered by our excellent staff writer, Ann Ernst. It talked about the solutions that could help optimize the value of virtual power plants. Chief among those are data integration According to Farshid Arman, Senior Director of Virtual Power Plant Delivery for AutoGrid, the key is for virtual power plants is the ability to forecast and then dispatch. Um, there's no consensus on whether the platforms be automated and market integrated, but the CEC is interested in automated load shifting that requires minimal consumer effort. That's according to Dustin Davis with the CEC. There's already a great deal of existing data with more data anticipated, which really puts data integration at the forefront of advancing VPPs. That's according to the experts. And uh, also artificial intelligence, uh, an obvious use here, application. Um, and also another interesting vital component is humans. This is according to David Myers, CEO of Grid Tractor, which is a spinoff of Polaris. Keeping humans in the loop is another area he said needs to be addressed because even with automated systems, there are times when decisions will need to be made in areas that are not fully modeled or understood in automation. There's also the patchwork of tariffs, programs, and markets that create a challenge and uh, the long tail of smaller nodes, loads that needs to be addressed. According to Mr. Myers, the actual shifting technologies and how to actually operate different types of devices and loads has been pretty well developed. He says that with an asterisk, that there's a lot we're still figuring out on the demand flexibility side and responding to prices in terms of what really what those signals will contain. California's continuously changing demand response market conditions make it difficult for consumers and third parties to engage with load modifications. Overall, creating and managing a VPP requires planning and modeling, marketing, enrollment, forecasting, and dispatch, as well as incentives and settlements. And more customer participation will be seen as important for progressing VPPs. Most low-income customers are unable to afford them or to afford ZEVs, I'm sorry, even with rebates. Uh, but, you know, incentives for purchasing smart devices, others are a focus of this emerging technology. So kind of a cool concept and, um, you know, something that they're looking to develop. But looks like they have a ways to go, but uh, a big new area of development here. And 
um, sort of like SMRs, it's something we will continue to follow and report on. Yeah, you know, uh, shortly before we recorded, I was listening to a presentation by somebody from the Brattle Group at a annual conference, Washington State Annual Conference on Resource Adequacy. Uh, and this yeah. Brattle Group analyst was talking about VPPs, and he says, based on Brattle Group's uh, modeling, a VPP could save a utility with, uh, well, in their model, they used a utility with 1.75 million customers. Um, hmm. And they found that a, uh, VP, using a VPP uh, basically provided 400 megawatts of resource adequacy uh, resource. Yeah, that's huge. Or, yeah, uh, for the you know, cost of a digital product. 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 Right. There you go. Right. Uh, as opposed to actually buying a new physical you know, generation yeah. resource. Yeah, and I assume can be, you know, modified with more ease than a physical resource, you know, and um, sort of refined and developed. As you said, another thing that we will be following more and more as time goes on. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. Okay. Uh, well, back up here in Washington State, the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Washington rejected a request from three Northwest natural gas suppliers as well as a coalition of building associations and commercial construction advocates to block state building code changes from taking effect in October. Uh, those building code changes would require electric heat pumps in new residential and commercial construction. So Chief District Judge Stanley Bastion issued a bench decision on July 18th in Yakima, Washington, in response to the petition for an injunction from the plaintiffs, which include uh, Avista, Cascade Natural Gas, and Northwest Natural. So they were trying to block these uh, code changes that had been approved mm -hmm. by the Washington State Building Code Council, and the updated codes were already supposed to have taken effect in July. Uh, the Building Code Council a couple months ago, or yeah, a couple months ago, had preemptively decided to delay them and push them back to to October in part mm -hmm. because there's they're facing uh, legal challenges. The plaintiffs had sought a, an injunction uh, getting the federal court to step in and block them from taking effect in October. But uh, the building code changes at this point, it appears, will go into effect as uh, planned. Well, as mm. yeah, uh, revise the revised plan in October. Uh, so you know, especially following the uh, Ninth Circuit Court's uh, uh, overturning the gas ban adoption, or ga yeah, the gas ban adopted by the city of Berkeley in California, uh, mm. this is seen as a major win for advocates of decarbon decarbonization, especially you know yeah. at the local state and local level um using state and local policy uh to drive decarbonization right yeah interesting development i see quote here from jan hasselman senior attorney for earth justice quote the movement to phase out fossil gas in homes and businesses is unstoppable unquote pretty strong words there yeah indeed <laughs> fossil gas and not natural gas fossil gas Yes, some uh, subtle but not insignificant rebranding re there from yep. environmentalists. 
I've, I've heard uh, people calling for journalists to stop calling it natural gas, but I think where we sit in the industry, we probably keep keep with the industry term on that. Yeah, yeah. that's an interesting conversation about when yeah. when do you change terms? Um, yeah, I mean, there's been like uh, feels like clean energy is kind of now more accepted. Um, when I first mm-hmm. started writing, it seemed like that was something that we were not supposed to that it was seen as a uh, you know, uh, but sort of a partisan term. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess from where I sit, you know, uh, natural gas has been the accepted term used for decades and decades and decades. And um, switching yeah. to another term right now seems to be a partisan move. But yeah, it, uh, yeah, it definitely has that. It definitely signals that for sure. I mean, I take their point uh, that. Uh, but yeah, anyways, that can be a separate podcast semantics episode. Yeah, for sure. So uh, why don't you close us out with uh, the update from BPA on their uh, the 2028 contracts, the latest development on that? Yeah, well, this is um, the BPA kicked off an eight month process to determine whether it should join California ISO's proposed extended day head market. Or the Southwest Power Pools Market Plus initiative. This happened two days before eight regulators from five Western states called for the creation of an independent governing body to oversee a single Westwide market that would include California. But BPA launched this process with a July 14th meeting, which they will begin analyzing the rival market initiatives, that's SPP's Market Plus and CAISO's EDAM, as we call it. BPA plans to hold five workshops from July through March 24 with formal public feedback. It anticipates its policy direction in the first quarter of calendar year 2024. So big question on on everyone's minds is which way BPA will go on this. Both of these proposals are expected to be filed with FERC over the next eight months. Um, So also the... Uh, eight state regulators on July 16th. These are state regulators from Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, and New Mexico. Wrote a letter to leadership of the Committee on Regional Electric Power Cooperation, which we fondly refer to as CREPSI, and the Western Interstate Energy Board. The letter called for creation of a nonprofit entity governed by representation from across the West that could provide a full range of regional transmission operator services. Utilizing a contract for services with CAISO, including eventual assumption of the extended day ahead market and the Western energy imbalance market. Here's the quote from the letter, quote, we believe that the vision of a Westwide market inclusive of California is possible based on a concept put forth by members of the California Public Utilities Commission and California Energy Commission. This entity could also act as a vessel for delivering a Westwide organized market with governance shared across all states. Under this vision, the benefits of the Western EIM and EDAM would be maintained and expanded upon, avoiding a duplication of the investments and expenses of the market infrastructure that has already been created. The letter says that while a joint governance approach has been developed for the EDAM and has won significant support, it falls short of full regional co-ownership that is required for deeper coordination. So David Danner, chair of the Washington Utilities and Transportation Commission, told 
CEM that the group is, quote, trying to start a conversation. He said, there seems to be a lot of discussion around markets that's either or. You've got one option that doesn't include California in the footprint. That would be SPP. And that's problematic. The other option has real governance issues, and that's problematic. So he said the group is really looking for ideas. Lots of problems. Yeah, this is not an easy conversation, but yeah, he makes a good point. Uh, Is it an either or question? California, as we know, when it comes to the rest of the West, the governance issues, thorny. There's a lot of politically powerful parties in California that don't want regionalization because they don't, they want California to retain control of energy policy and the jobs that come with new generation, et cetera. But it looks like BPA will be letting us know the first quarter of next year what they plan to do. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is given that uh, power or not power X Pacific core came out early relatively early all in for edam yeah i think it's just been one of the i don't know at least for me one of the biggest surprises through this whole process um and i think certainly made me think that uh makes me think that you know there is more chance for a california-led market outside of california than i certainly thought before that, that I think a lot of mm-hmm. people thought before that. Um, yeah. Pacific Core is just such a big entity uh, that I mean I know that's that caused everyone to re- recalibrate their calculations, and um, you know I think we'll see this similar thing with uh, BPA. They're yeah one of the other big gorillas in the room. So oh man, yes, a very big one. So stay tuned. Good stuff from Steve Ernst there. And now if it's happening with Western markets, we want to know about it. We want to write about it and report it. Yeah. Drop us a line. In the meantime, that's all from me, Dan Catchpool. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Pass along to a friend. Energy West is edited edited and produced by our colleagues at Pioneer Utility Resources and Lucky Sound Studio. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at dcatchpole. And Clearing Up is on Twitter at CU News Data. That's the letter C and the letter U News Data. Yeah, and um, I'm looking at Twitter right now, and did you hear the name was changed? Oh, now. I did. That's, yeah, is it supposed <laughs> to be X now? I, I don't know. It is. And it's apparently the sign has come down from the building, and yeah. I'm looking at it, yeah. and it's now called X. Yeah. So, what do you call it? We used to say we tweeted. What would be exiting zeding no but i am going to set up an account on thread so Ugh, the okay. sound off will be different next yeah. week <laughs> okay all right hey thanks for listening everybody we'll see you back here next week <laughs>